Hello and welcome to Night in on Negotiation, the podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Knighton. My philosophy is that you cannot change the other person you negotiate with, but you can change how you negotiate with them to achieve better outcomes for you or your organization. This podcast series includes interviews, lectures, speeches, and webinars, and includes materials from all four of my books. For more information and free resources, please visit www.jnyden.com. Enjoy. In this session, we're going to talk about price and value, and specifically how to tie the value of a product or service to a particular price. Now, most of us are familiar with negotiating price, and if you'd like more information on how to negotiate price, please see the first learning session, January of 2016, Mapping the Money Conversation. In this session, I'm going to talk about a big problem that both purchasing teams and sales teams have. They don't use the same language when talking about value, and because they don't use the same language when talking about value, they can talk past each other. In this webinar, I would like to outline the four ways that both the purchasing teams and sales teams can talk about value to create that common language. Then once that common language is developed, the relationship between the customer and the supplier can then focus on the real value that the supplier brings to the buying company. If you'd like more information beyond this webinar, please see my book, Getting to We. All right, for those of you who are not familiar with me, I am Jeanette Knighton. I am the author and co-author of three books, including Getting to We, The Vested Outsourcing Manual, and Negotiation Rules. I work with supply chain professionals to maximize key customer-supplier relationships by providing custom, customized tactical contract negotiation coaching. And I've worked with both sales teams and purchasing teams, usually at the same company and usually at the same time. And that ability to work with both teams really has influenced my perspective on how to negotiate customer-supplier relationships. So this is a quote from my book, Getting to We. Value has both objective and subjective characteristics. Sales teams are very familiar with the subjective characteristics of value the touch, the feel, the emotions. What we're going to focus on today is objective value. Objectively, value can be defined in a more tangible form as increased benefits and opportunities and decreased costs and risks. In this learning session, we'll outline those four types of value. I'll show you a case study from a client about how that client was able to mathematically demonstrate the value of decreased costs and risks. And I'll conclude by asking three questions for you, whether you're purchasing or sales, to consider to help demonstrate the mathematical value associated with the product or service. The first four of the four kinds of value that we're going to focus on is decreased costs. Decreased costs are those costs that are constraints that prevent either the customer or the supplier from achieving its goals. So a cost can be an added step in a manufacturing process. It can be... um, 
employee redundancy between a customer and a supplier in an outsourcing relationship, those constraints prevent customers and suppliers from getting to their goals. Now, usually salespeople talk about reducing costs, but they focus on the customer's cost. What I want to do is I want to talk about how the supplier's product or service takes costs permanently out of either the customer's system or the supplier's system. And it's important to talk about this from the supplier as well, because customers, the way you structure your work unwittingly increases costs to the supplier. Another way that you guys can talk about value between purchasing and sales is the cost associated with decreasing risks. Risks are absolutely quantifiable. And a risk is the possibility that something negative will happen. Now, there are risk departments, and I've certainly worked with risk departments, but usually in the form of regulatory compliance, insurance, this is where we talk about our limitation of liability, indemnification, caps on your limitations of liability, and your liquidated damages clauses. I want to put that to the side, and I want to talk about the ways in which customers face risk and how they operate either through services or through, let's say, manufacturing of a product and how the supplier's product or service can take out a risk element for the customer. And then if you can quantify that risk element, then you've got a value proposition. So this isn't the traditional insurance risk compliance conversation. This is talking about taking the uh, a risk out. So for example, in a situation where one of my clients had uh, a trucking contract for the eastern seaboard to move fresh products, fresh uh, food into grocery stores at the crack of dawn every day. Obviously, fuel is a risk and it can be hedged. But the way that they addressed the supplier risk of overconsumption of fuel, running partially full trucks, running um, the idle on the truck, taking routes that would uh, create more drive time, etc., was to create an incentive in the contract to use fuel very, very efficiently, install GPS units in all the trucks that didn't have them, etc. So that's what I'm talking about, the risks that the supplier will overconsume fuel and pass it along to the customer can be a value proposition if you can find a way to take the risk of overconsumption out by mitigating it through technology and other forms such as contractual incentives. An increased opportunity is really interesting. An opportunity is the possibility that something positive will happen. But what I want to focus on is the possibility that something positive will happen between the customer and its customer. So how can a supplier bring a technology, a service, or a product to its customer that will allow the customer to reach the end customer better? So think in terms of, let's say, consumers. So you've got a marketing company that can do a whiz-bang job in social media, for example, and because of something that they have a tool, an analytic or something, their customer, the 
consumer product company can reach more consumers. That's an increased opportunity, and those opportunities can be mathematically demonstrated. And I did have a company that was actually in the printing business, so very old school kind of paper printing concepts, was able to demonstrate increased opportunities in the consumer market through what they were able to provide. An increased benefit is similar in that we're looking at the end user, the end customer. So a benefit could be a benefit to the end user, such as a very simple portal where someone can go on to pay their bill and check their accountant and uh, order more minutes or upgrade their bank card or whatever the case may be all through an online portal is a benefit to the consumer. So if you're providing a service as a supplier to the customer, let's say in this case a bank, and the service is a portal and it creates additional benefits to the consumer, that can be tracked and those can be mathematically demonstrated. And that's often demonstrated in call centers that also have chat functions and other kinds of tools available to make it easier for the consumer to track their questions and concerns and things like that. So these are ways in which suppliers and customers can work together to increase the benefit to the end. All right, now that we've discussed the four kinds of uh, value, decreased costs, decreased risks, increased opportunities, and increased benefits, let's now do the math. So the math supports your assertion that the supplier's product or service has mathematical value objective tangible value. This is separate from subjective value, which is the touch, the feel, the emotion. We're talking about objective tangible value. Now the math we're gonna do isn't the pricing math that we talked about in session one to set your target price. That's a different concept and if you're not familiar with that concept, go back to the download page where you can get your learning session from January of 2016. I want to focus on the dollars associated with the type of value, and I'm going to do that with a very brief case study. So this is a spreadsheet that my client developed. My client is in the business of premium printing for the pharmaceutical industry. And a few years ago, a procurement team from one of the really big pharma companies asked my client, the premium printing company, to demonstrate their value to the team. There was a lot of pressure that lower end common printers could do this kind of printing, but it actually wasn't the case. And it had to do with the labeling and the glues and being uh, a fit, the labels being affixed to plastic bottles and the glues couldn't seep through and contaminate the chemicals inside, the pharmaceuticals inside, et cetera, et cetera. So there was a lot more to the value proposition for a label costing more than you could go buy it at a traditional printer. But the pharmaceutical team needed the mathematical demonstration. And so we looked at ways in which we could calculate. Now, this is an extremely abbreviated spreadsheet to maintain privacy, but it demonstrates the thought process where we have the value statement. We did the calculation based on information that the 
printing company had from all of its customers. So we were able to sort of standardize a template. We were able to customize it with the information we got from Big Pharma. Then they were able to actually calculate savings per one run. And they were able to calculate um, savings of 37% for one run or 56% for a standard um, run of 300 and shipments. And so what we were able to demonstrate through this is the mathematical value proposition that while it looked like an expensive price tag, the value of using this product was overall total cost of ownership must much less expensive. So they were able to talk about how they could reduce the customer's internal costs without having to have an additional QA person, inspect the labels, et cetera, et cetera, and then how they were also able to reduce the risk to the the customer, the pharma company, around improper glues bleaching through and taking an entire lot out of the line, et cetera, et cetera. So at the end of the day, the buying company, the pharma company, was able to use this price, or excuse me, this value sheet to justify the price right? So some of you who have watched my session on total cost of ownership are going to recognize the logic. So negotiating on value is somewhat similar to a TCO conversation. So for sales, you really need to be doing this kind of mathematical work to demonstrate the value. You can't just say, well, we have this value proposition or we have a 90% on-time delivery. What does an additional 4% delivery that's not on-time mean to the customer? That might be your competitor's value statement. Quantify that for them. And if you're on the procurement side, work with your suppliers to get this kind of information. I'm not asking you to divulge a lot of information, but I am asking you to sit down, work with their value statements, and understand how they're calculating the savings so that you can take it to your internal team members to demonstrate the mathematical or objective value associated with the product or service that you're buying. Now here are a couple questions that you guys can ask yourselves, whether you're procurement or sales, to help make value tangible. One, what's the realizable value to decreasing the buying company's costs or risks? Okay, so what's the value for that? What's the realizable value if the supplier could increase the benefits or opportunities to the buying company by meeting their customers' needs and expectations? Again, you're going to have to reach out and look at your end customer or end user if you're the buying company and if you're the supplier think more strategically a couple steps out. And then finally, how will you track or measure savings or benefits? This is incredibly important because you need to be able to track and measure those savings to continue to demonstrate value, especially if you're needing to buy a premium service or product, or you're trying to differentiate a product in the market, such as a label that's designed with a particular glue not to bleach through to liquids versus buying a label. That's the kind of technical information that operations understands. But when sourcing is buying for a dozen pharmaceutical locations, they may not understand the value associated with that. And by working with them to demonstrate and measure and track those benefits, the supplier and the procurement team are working together to meet the goals. 
Thank you very much, and I'll see you next time.